This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Looney stops in the paint to Draymond. Handoff Curry. Deep three on the way with one on the clock. Back rim miss. Looney again. Finds Thompson. Loads up a triple. Good! It's madness! Just madness! Now back to 95-7, the game. That, of course, the play-by-play voice of the Golden State Warriors. One Tim Roy on the call as the Golden State Warriors take care of the Memphis Grizzlies. In six games, they get ready for the Western Conference Finals to start on Wednesday. We heard from Tim Roy. I'm joined, of course, with my partner today, that being Evan Giddings, the play-by-play voice of the Bay Area Panthers, the IFL. All the action can be heard here on 95.7 The Game. You got a a go-to call? Is there a touchdown Panthers? Or if they get into the end zone, what are we doing here? Well, I'm I'm big on alliteration. So if I'm feeling good, it's a Panthers find pay dirt. I do like that when they get into the end zone. Panthers find pay dirt. Ah, that's good. I like it. I like it. That's I guess I don't use it too often, but that would be the touchdown call for a big score. What about calling the NFL? Because I know you do – You've done baseball. You've done. You've had a handful of things that you've done, but the challenges or the differences of calling football games as opposed to some of the other sports, it's just much quicker. And especially in the IFL, I, I think the most important part for any event you're doing is to understand, hopefully quickly in the game, what the pace and what the tempo is going to be. So, like for the Warriors, you know that if they're playing Memphis, game's going to be a little more up and down than in a half court set. So, as a play by play man. Tim Roy does a fantastic job of this on 95.7 The Game, is he will get into his call and then know how much time he has after to describe something maybe that he missed that was important or whether he has time to set up his his color analyst. So for football in the IFL, I know that it's a running clock. 25 seconds is the game clock instead of you know 40 for the NFL. So there's maybe a little less time for my color guy to get something in. So I know that I need to call the play and get out immediately. So I don't have as much time to be as as creative or, you know, mix in whatever voracious vernacular I I, I think that I have. Like, I, I don't get to do that. So for football, that's that's the deal. And it's obviously much different than a, a sport like baseball where you have more time to tell stories. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. That's the IFL, all the action. By the way, it is an exciting brand of football. can be heard here on 95.7 The Game with my man, Evan Giddings, at the mic, giving you the play-by-play. But, yeah, pacing is everything. And I've always heard that baseball is the most difficult to do play-by-play. I did, dabbled in play-by-play, and you and I always have these conversations. I'm, really, I'm very highly critical of play-by-play people, which is why I'm such a big fan of yours. But when it comes to baseball, let me back up. I think the easiest thing to do yeah. is to call action. Now, granted, 
Sure. Pacing is something that, as you mentioned, you got to work on. But being stimulating, calling action, football, basketball, baseball is a challenge because there's so much in between time. There's so much downtime. There's in between pitches. A player takes his lead off of first base. How do you keep that audience engaged? How do you keep them on the seat, on the edge of their seat? It's much like this. You have to have a personality. You have to be able to spin stories. There's got to be recall. I think there's a, a bigger challenge when you're trying to paint that picture in baseball as opposed to the other two major sports. There are certainly challenges for both. I will say that, again, to the tempo point, like in baseball, for me, it's easier to get into a rhythm just because it's a little bit slower. Now, if you have a bad game in any sport, it makes it difficult to call and it makes it difficult to keep people intrigued. But if you got a close one-run baseball game, to me, that is it's almost easier than you know an up-and-down football mm. game because if you're going back and forth in, in football or in basketball, it's a game of runs. Like You don't really have time to break down the importance of each pitch or each play, you know, each screen. You're just calling the action. So I think that it depends how quickly you get into a rhythm, kind of like, kind of like in radio. You know, if you got a big game where the Warriors win on a buzzer beater, like your your show writes itself. Like you're going to have time to get into a rhythm, and you're going to be able to build that very quickly and pretty easily. Whereas if the Warriors get beat by 30 against you know New Orleans or something like that, it's it's going to be a rough show. Yeah. So I I would say that baseball, it is challenging, but once you get into it by like the second or third inning, to me, it's easier to build a rhythm in that sport than in a sport like football where anything can change immediately. I mean, any play could be a pick six or a kick return for a touchdown or a fumble. Like, if you're in the middle of a story or trying to tell a story in football, something can happen in two seconds that changes the way you need to call the game. So to me, I almost think that a sport like football is the most challenging because you got to be on top of every single play. Uh, Let me put this out there to Dub Nation, anybody listening today. If the Golden State Warriors, and maybe this is all secondary to anybody who's watching the game like the majority of us are, but who do you want to call? Who do you want behind the mic? The Warriors, The game's going to be TNT, or does it go to ABC yet? I think it's TNT. I think it is TNT, yeah. And then the, the difference TNT. would be whether it's going to be in Phoenix or Golden State. But it will be Wednesday, 530. Like, that's that's the tip. Tip is at 5.30 on Wednesday. TNT still has the contract, so it'll be the TNT crew. They don't hand it off to ABC and Mike Breen and company until you get to the NBA Finals and or if it's a weekend game or one of those nationally televised games. Who is it? Who do you think – who do you want to hear behind the mic for the Golden State Warriors? Do you have a favorite duo? And I'm not saying you, Ev, specifically, but who do Warrior fans want calling their action? Obviously, you don't have – you know, your typical home court announcers or the, the people that have called it throughout the season as you hand things off to the network. But who's a TNT tandem that that you're comfortable listening to your Warriors, somebody that's taking over the mic and calling your Golden State Warriors? Is there a tandem out there? 888 Do you have anybody that, that, that you enjoy more so than anybody else? I, I have my preferences, and I'll get to that in a second, but I'm curious for, for listeners as well as you because it seems like in this playoffs for both, whether it's on TNT or ESPN, they've kind of mixed in different play-by-play and color. They've mixed in different teams. Yeah, I kind of like that. Yeah. Like I don't necessarily want to hear the same voice throughout the entire— I want to see how someone else describes the Stephen Curry— you know, game-breaking three-pointer. I want to hear how someone describes a jaw-breaking Morant dunk. Like, I want to see how someone is able to do that. So, personally, for me, I'm a big Kevin Harlan guy. I know this is uh, where we might defer. But uh, 
I really like Kevin Harlan because to me, he I think he understands the moment and he brings appropriate energy to the big moments. And I think where we where we have a bit of a standoff here is he tends to bring energy to every moment. Yeah, he's too much for me. He's, <laughs> he's too much about himself. If you're going to be a good play-by-play person, we shouldn't open this can of worms. If you're going to be good play-by-play, get out of the way. If I'm driving in my car and I got to get to the market, I got to go point A to point B before I get home and watch the game, I want to know down and distance. I want to know who carried the ball, who made the tackle, and give me a score. Same with the NBA. I'm not there to hear you. He feels as though I get, I get the sense when I listen to Harlan that it's all about me, and oh, he's outside the numbers, and he looks to the life, he looks to the right, and throws a pass, and turns overhead, and it's kind of a, oh, it's like, no, dude, lay out, lay out a little bit, my man. It's it's about an ongoing conversation, and it's about the game. Let the game speak for itself. you got to be a background piece. Yeah, I want you to be witty at times and be informative, but I don't tune in to listen to you. I want you to describe the action. And guys like that that make it about themselves, I, I, I pick off immediately. I can't stand – that sounds terrible. I, I, I think he's the the best to me at play by play, but the best crew it would be you know the Mike Breen, Jeff Van Gundy, Perfect. Mark Jacks. I, I think they're they're great together, and, and Breen, they complement each other, which is the most important part. Yeah, as an analyst, and I know a lot of people, you know, Van Gundy's from Martinez in the Bay Area. He's he's pointing, he gets in and gets out. It's like it's like being a good boxer when you're the analyst. You want to jab and then get out. You don't want to flurry too much. You don't want to dominate the mic and then pick your spots. You don't have to talk after every single play. And then Breen just. He lets those guys do their thing. He plays traffic cop, and it works collectively. Kevin Harlan, it's like, look at me, look at me, look at me. And I, I have a hard time with that. But Evan Giddings, once again, you can hear him here on 95.7 The Game, calling all the action of the Bay Area Panthers located where they're out in San Jose, right? San Jose, SAP Center. Yep. All right. Let's get back to a gentleman by the name, first name Andrew, last name Wiggins. Well, before we do that, and this sort of inadvertently gets into Andrew Wiggins. Back mm-hmm. to Wiggins. Yep. We were talking about this during the break is that – the playoffs are all about adjustments. I thought that the Golden State Warriors were slow to making adjustments to this series once Jaw went out. They were still playing basketball as if Jaw was still in the game. And Memphis has said, hey, listen, man, we just cleaned the slate. We're playing a different style, and it's working for us. We're going inside. We're getting more physical. We got Jackson primarily because we have to play this way. And I think the Warriors and Mike Brown, for whatever reason, it, it took a while to figure out to insert Kevon Looney. And the other thing they did that I thought was really subtle – is that they stop having Draymond Green playing the point and bringing the ball up the court and starting the offense. Because the reason is, is that when you have Draymond cross the timeline, is that there's nobody there that needs to guard him. And so somebody's sagging off of him by 15 feet, and immediately it's clogging those passing lanes. So what they did is they had Wiggins bring the ball up the court, which made his man extend, as you typically do, and watch Wiggins and get up on him, and it created more of that spacing, which is one of the reasons why I thought they got off to a better start in game six than, say, in some of the previous games. Yeah, I, I agree, and I think – and I didn't actually notice that until you you mentioned it, and I, I went back and, and watched a quick clip. It does, I think, put Draymond in a, in a good position to be successful because where he's at his best, like when Draymond in the – 2015, 16, 17 seasons was at his best was again around the free throw line where he had the, I mean he was he was just like a quarterback and he he gets to sit there and determine where the ball needs to go, what time he needs to get it to them. When he brings the ball up the court, I think he's he puts a little bit too much pressure on the defense and that's where we see some of those 
I mean, just give him away turnovers where he's trying to fit into a tight window from the top and find a, a back screen cutter. I mean, he had 24 turnovers in, in six games. Like, that, that is not good. As, Meanwhile, the guy who's guarding him is sitting back 10 feet reading those passing lines. Exactly. And, and you, we know he's not going to shoot it. It's not an issue, if, to me at least, that Draymond is not shooting. It's just the fact that he tries to do too much with the ball sometimes. And so I like the fact that you brought up Wiggins as maybe not the, the, the primary ball handler, but the guy that can at least initiate the offense and take away that first step where Draymond is feeling like he's almost tempted to make that that dynamite pass, yeah, that four-point pass. He doesn't need to do that. He's not his best when he's doing that, and Wiggins kind of eliminates that. Yeah, and it, it's not as though you can't get back to him. I mean, there's going to be points during the game where the ball's in his hands off a rebound, a rip and run, and you get back to Draymond. Or I would, you know, Steph can play the point from time to time. But this idea that every single game, every single possession, here comes Draymond. And now his guy isn't guarding him. And you're right. Draymond's trying to make that. He's trying to get a bucket on one pass. And not only do we know it, but more importantly, the the defense can read that stuff as well. But getting back to Wiggins, not only was there that and that adjustment, but Wiggins. Well, I, go ahead, Brian. Give me the sound and then we'll get into Wiggins. He was just engaged from Jump Street this morning during shoot around. I knew he'd have a big game because we, we changed our pick and roll coverage. When we made the change, Wiggs asked, he was like, Coach, you want me to pick up Ty Jones full court? I said, Wiggs, you want to do that for 48 minutes? He said, I'm locked in. I'll do it for 48 minutes. You just tell me. I said, Okay, we'll pick and choose your spots. So when a guy like that comes to you and says that, you know he's ready for the task at hand. That was Mike Brown. Talking about Wiggins, who says you want me to, and you know he probably didn't his subtle sort of, you know, the way that guy is just so low key, so stoic. I'm a big fan of his, and I think that he has proven that he is worthy of being a Golden State Warrior postseason. Let him into the club, and I think you saw as much when Steph was yelling at him during a timeout. wasn't yelling at him in a negative sense, but yelling at him like, "Hell yeah, welcome aboard, man! You have been so good." You, you are doing all the dirty things. This is what championship DNA is about. Because you don't know these things. You can't simulate these things during a regular season. You can have big games. But characters are revealed once you get to this stage. Now you find out what a guy's really about. You can go to all the all-star games you want. If this is about going home with the chip, what are you doing now on the biggest stage with all the pressure and everybody watching? He has proven to himself, I think, for the first time in his career, that he's quote-unquote legit as far as the Golden State Warriors welcoming into the family and saying, you know, my man, you've got that championship DNA. And I'm, I'm glad our producer, Brian, f- suggested that cut specifically and fired that up for us because that's the type of Wiggins that we don't really get to see or hear about because he's not a guy that's going to toot his own horn. He's pretty introverted. I mean, he's just going to go down low, and he he kind of floats around on the court. Like, he doesn't draw – aside from a – you know, a 45-inch vertical. He doesn't really draw too much attention to himself. And in this series, I mean, if you told me he had 18-11 with three blocks and was a team-high plus 20 in game six against Memphis, I would have said, oh, really? Like, that's – okay. Like, oh, wow, he, he did have a good game. But those are the type of players that you need that understand their roles. Like, when the Warriors were at their best during their title runs, everyone from – Kevin Durant to Stephen Curry, Clay Dre, all the way down to the 15th man on the bench, understood their role, and they played it to near perfection. That is how you win championships. And right now, to me, even though Andrew Wiggins isn't averaging the 
you know, 18 to 20 that he was when he was named an all-star starter. I think he's averaging 14 and a half points per game in this postseason, but he's more efficient. He's better. He he just he's more decisive when he gets the ball. He knows when he gets the ball in what spot, where he needs to go, and what he needs to do with it. And to me, he might be playing the most consistent basketball of anybody on the Warriors. I know Looney had the great game. Draymond was was fantastic in Game Six as well. And then of course Curry brought them home down the stretch. He had Game Six Clay. Those were all the guys that had the big headline popping games. But Wiggins is the guy who, as Mike Brown said, was willing to play 48 minutes and not only play and give you something on offense, but lock down the number one guy, whoever that was going to be for Memphis, whether it was going to be Bain, he's not afraid to guard Jackson down low, who's giving him some work on the block. Like, Wiggins does what this team needs him to do, and I don't think he gets enough credit for it. And Tyus Jones, with John Moran out, is considered, if not the best backup point guard, certainly one of them in the NBA, and an essential figure to the success of that team when Ja goes down. I don't have it in front of you. Do you have Tyus Jones' numbers in Game 6? Tyus, Tyus Jones, 2 of 12 Thank from the you. floor. And Minus that's, 14. And that's attributed to one guy. And that's Wiggins who took him out of that game. Yeah. I, didn't even, I didn't even hear Jones' name mentioned throughout that entire contest. And he'd been such a significant contributor. Let's get out to the phone lines. 888-957-9570. Bob's hanging out in Marin. What's up, Bob? Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, guys. Uh, great show. I always love talking to you guys. I think... Andrew Wiggins, with his, you know, 18-point average and his 12 rebounds before he did in the series, and along with Moody, and I don't know if you guys saw where um, Mike Brown was asked the question, what was the decision and why did you bring uh, Kavon Looney out? And they said it was because Draymond asked for it. And I think at that point they'd already decided, okay, it's going to be like this, and Andrew's going to take out the guy that's just been bothering them in game five, if you do that, that frees up Clay Thompson. Another thing I noticed that Clay was bringing the ball up in a couple of times. Did we lose? Bob, get on another line and call us back. I want to hear what you had to say about Clay Thompson. Let's go, Bob. I want to talk about Clay for a second there. I know game six, Clay. But we can get into what he did in that performance. He just he's amazing, man. He's just amazing. And and the sojourn for the the way this guy just to get back to two and a half years, the inspiration he is to all of us. <laughs> This dude, he didn't care. No. He, he shoots. Shooters shoot. He went through that whole stage where everybody's just shooting too much. And he's been that way from day one, man. And the reason I mention that as it relates to Jordan Poole, Jordan Poole needs to go and rub on him a little bit. Let me sound kind of awkward. But he needs to cut that. He needs to get next to, to, to Clay and he needs to bend his ear and say, My man, I need to be a little bit more like you. If Clay's not shooting it well, do you think he goes away and hides? Do you think he's like, hey, let me defer to somebody else? Never. No, and that DNA, that not being afraid, and Jordan Poole's 22. So, you know, this is still maturation here. He needs a little of that right now. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. I, I do think the the clay blinders, so to speak, it, it can hurt the Warriors at times. No, now, no now, doubt. Don't, don't get me wrong. I mean, he's in that game he took 22 shots. If he had made five of them, he would have continued to hoist as if he'd made the 11 that he did. So it's it's not like he knows when to turn it off, to your point. But I also think that's why he is so special, because Clay Thompson, along with Curry, like the Splash Brothers have a, a, a next play mentality that's pretty rare, because those guys can pull from 35 and drop one from deep 
and come down the court the next time and not really like it doesn't matter if they made it or missed it. And Jordan Poole, I thought he looked like that against Denver. I thought he looked like that in the first round against the Nuggets. Granted, a much less uh, defensively ept team as far as Memphis is concerned. And I think the length as far as speed also bothered Poole a little bit. But, you know, I, I wrote something back in, in December about how Jordan Poole should take a, a note from Clay and not sacrifice bleep, which is what Clay Thompson said when Kevin Durant came to the Golden State Warriors. He said, I'm not sacrificing bleep. And right now, Jordan Poole thinks, it, it seems to me like he, he, not that the moment's too big for him, but he knows that that limelight is getting larger. And he knows that people are beginning to lean on him. And he knows that if he doesn't play well, there is a chance that this team might lose. Like, he was able to play down the stretch of the regular season with reckless abandon because Steph wasn't out there. He got the ball, and when he played well, sometimes they won, sometimes they lost. But now in the playoffs, they need him to be G, uh, JP3 every single game. They need him to be the third splash brother. And even though it didn't happen in Game 6, you know, the, the, the two of them were so great, and Game 6 Clay was so great that it didn't matter. I want to throw this at you, though, Dan. To me, there's almost more pressure in a game where people expect you to do something. Like, Clay Thompson in, in the 2015 Game 6, where Game 6 Clay was was birthed against Oklahoma City. There, there was a ton of pressure in that game in a closeout road elimination game. But people didn't expect him to light the world on fire as soon as he stepped in the building. In Game 6 against Memphis... That was the whole thing going in. And they talked about it in the broadcast. Clay hits his first three threes. Oh, game six, Clay is back. Now, he can't hear that, obviously, but he knows in his head, people expect me to be great tonight. And he stepped up and he did it. I think there's more pressure in that, living up to expectation rather than, you know, maybe what Jordan Poole is doing right now, which is trying to get to that point. No, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. When you're that guy and you're expected to be that guy and then you go out and deliver that's the sort of DNA that very few of us have, and that's where you separate good from the great and, and even the great from champions. I think when it gets back to Jordan Poole, just to oversimplify this, I think that when he's missing shots, it's feast or famine. When he's cooking, I don't think anybody can hold him. No. He can go the full 94 feet. He can put it on the floor. He'll cross you over, and then he'll step back. He'll hit threes. He gets into a rhythm, and, and good night. But – I also think conversely that if he's missing shots and if he's getting bodied a little bit, he can he can get into a shell. And then all of a sudden he begins to defer and he's not as aggressive. My point is, look at Clay. You can miss shot, you can miss ten in a row, but we still need you to be that guy. You cannot suddenly disappear. Get a little clay in you, lose your conscience. Let's give our man out in Marin another opportunity. Bob's you fix things, you iron out the bugs on that cell phone. Bob Zimarini joins us once again. What's going on, my man, Bob? Yeah, thanks for taking the call again, guys. I just wanted to say that I think there was a time in that game where Clay was bringing the ball up in the beginning, and he he either dribbled too too much or turned it over a couple of times, and Mike Brown called the timeout, and and then then they started you know doing the the thing that you pointed out where where Andrew was bringing the ball up to free up Clay, and he he went on went on the game six Clay that he is. And to all the people during the week that were saying that Mike Brown is not a good coach, come on, man. Come on. Like, you guys have to just stop talking like that. Stop giving players a hard time. Stop giving coaches a hard time. The other team comes to play, and their coaching staff does too. 
because this is about the playoffs, and it's not going to be easy, whether it's going to be Phoenix. I personally think it's going to be Dallas, and I think it's going to be a great, great series when Luka comes to town. I love that boy. Thank you very much for taking the call back. Good job, Bob. Yeah, we're going to continue here on 95.7 The Game. Coming up later this afternoon, as Bob mentioned, it will be Phoenix, it will be Dallas, and, of course, the winner will take on the Golden State Warriors in the Western Conference Finals. I do want to get back to the Golden State Warriors and talk about Otto Porter in update. Will he be available come game one? We'll have that for you as we continue. It's Evan Giddings and Dan Avone on 95.7 The Game. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Drives on Wiggins, bounce pass to the cutting bait, blocked! He was roofed by Wiggins and Thompson, loose ball to Draymond. Now back to 95-7, the game. 10.30 in the morning. As we are awaiting a couple of Game 7s coming up later this afternoon. First, it'll be out on the East, where the Boston Celtics will be at home with an opportunity to close out the Milwaukee Bucks. But the Bucks come up with a win. They advance as well to take on the Miami Heat. And out of the West, it'll be the Phoenix Suns home out there in Phoenix as they do battle once again with the Dallas Mavericks. And the winner will meet the Golden State Warriors, who await their fate. Either they get on a flight. Was about an hour and a half southwest. Doubt if they're flying southwest. <laughs> yeah, come on, that Dan. That's, that's for you and me. Let's go. I doubt if they're like got one of those cards with the number on it, right? Like, you know, numbers one through thirty-five. You can board. You know, if you fly southwest, you get a <laughs> yeah. you get a number. Yeah. I highly doubt that Steph Curry is holding on to like number sixteen, waiting to a board a southwest flight. But anyways, it was like an hour, fifteen hour, twenty minutes. Imagine him riding economy. <laughs> hour twenty minutes down to southwest. And then Southwest, by the way, year in and year annually is the safest airline, apparently, it, it, in terms of, you know, crashes, which is something that you, I mean, it's, it's never had uh, any sort of accidents along that level. Anyways. Number one at the top of my list, and I'm sure, uh, well, whether the Warriors are flying coach, whether they're flying private, uh, they'll, they'll be down in the desert if Phoenix is able to come away with the victory today. And then Dallas is what? Dallas is about a good three and a half hours yeah. away. So you Roughly. Know. Yeah. I mean, you would think in terms of proximity, you'd want to play 
you'd want to play Phoenix a little bit closer to home. But we'll, we'll have a couple days of rest on either team. Yeah, no, we'll have to wait and see. As, as I mentioned, both of those games are going off later this afternoon. And obviously, we'll keep you updated. Uh, Evan Giddings is our get my guest. He's my partner here today. You know, I, I was I just stumbled on Tom Brady getting that monster deal, ten years, three hundred and seventy five million dollars. Once again, Evan Giddings, the play by play voice for the Barrier Panthers here on ninety five seven. The game of the IFL does play by play for a multitude of teams in sports. But any thoughts on Tom Brady inking a ten year, three seventy five mil deal to? Be an analyst with Fox. Cash me out one time. Well, see, see, that's the thing is, is if he was my color guy, I'd have to shell out a couple of mortgages in the homes that I do not own currently in order to try and get Tom Brady <laughs> on with me. And I, it, so this is interesting. I, you think he'll be any good? Yeah, I'm sure he'll be fine. I mean, I don't know if he'll be the the Romo that everyone wants every color guy to be as soon as the moment they step into the booth and into that one A chair. But do, like, does does he even? like being around his family i mean like the guy had six weeks between end of the season and then his pre and then unretirement like was he just at home looking around thinking man my i gotta i gotta kill 12 hours a day and that that demands me to sleep for half i mean like what what am i gonna do and so he says all right well i'm gonna unretire and i'm gonna go back to playing football because i love football then someone approaches him and say hey we'll, we'll, we'll throw 400 million at you you want to come uh you want you want to come talk football after you're done well, I didn't really like sitting around at home, so I guess I'll just go do that. And I mean, he's going to be making more money in the booth than That's on the crazy. field. It's it's utterly ridiculous. I can't knock the hustle, and I, I think he'll be fine in the booth. But my goodness, Tom, like, is, is Florida really that bad wherever he's living nowadays? What's interesting is that I don't – again, getting back into play-by-play and analyst, and I, I spend too much time and I'm overly critical on these sort of things – I would think, at least I would hope, that Fox put the headset on him and either got, you know, Burkhardt or somebody to simulate a game with him just to see how those two work. I, I, you can't sign him to a blank 10-year, $375 million deal without knowing whether he's legit or whether, you know, he's got the pipes to do this. I would hope that they sat and had him do some games because here's the thing is that this is so nuanced, and you know this. Yeah. You can take a great athlete. It does not mean that you're going to transition to where we're sitting behind this side of the mic and deliver the goods, so to speak. When I was a kid, there was Dan Fouts, the Hall of Fame quarterback. My man. Yeah, Dan Fouts, and now I believe he's an analyst. He was on TV. Might still be with CBS, but I think he does radio as well. Yeah. He got an opportunity. He's from San Francisco. Went to my high school, San Ignatius. He's you know, obviously much older, but Dan Fouts became, again, a local sportscaster here in the Bay Area, in this building at KPIX. Dan, I thought you went to Reardon. Come on, man. Don't ever do that. Disrespectful. Just unplug that mic of his. Ev. You're no longer. <laughs> you're talking to a, another WCL alumni, too. Remember that. Oh, well, you're out in MIDI, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> huh? come on, man. It's San yeah. Jose. I don't leave the city. All right? I'm talking about Reardon, Sacred Heart. We don't even count MIDI and St. Is there Francis. even a South Bay? Yes, there is. Bellarmine, St. Francis. Man, last time I thought we were better than you guys yeah, in you guys uh, pretty every much, other sport. You own us when it comes to football. Because in the city, we, we don't grow up with pads. Don't start playing football until we get to high school. You guys are doing it when you're like five years old. That's the way you roll in the burbs. San Francisco, you can't get it. I mean, you can, but I didn't. Now, both of you guys grew up with MacBooks and iPads and whatever they got going on over here in Techville. Us in the East Bay, you know, we're, we're, we're real. We're down to the core, right? <laughs> Come on. 
Where was I going with? Oh, so Dan Fouts becomes <laughs> the sportscaster, right? The local, the local sport. I'm thinking yeah. Dan Fouts, Hall of Famer. He he's now going to do sports at KPIX. He was terrible. He's terrible. So one resume does not translate to the others. What I'm saying, Tom Brady can be the goat. I didn't mean that he's going to be good behind the mic. So he. I think he has proven himself to be a little entertaining on these these golf matches that they've been doing on TNT. Um, you know, they'll they'll pair him with with a, a pro. So he's been with Mickelson, he's been with Rogers, uh, the Shambo. So like the the match or whatever, I think has kind of been his stage to strut his stuff, so so to speak. Like those have been his tryouts. But it's a very different ball game, like you mentioned, when you're in the booth and you got. I'm glad you see that. Does he exert personality in those things? He does. I haven't seen him. He does, but he but he primarily plays off the energy of whoever he's with. Like he isn't he isn't the main guy that you go to watch. Like I'm there to see Phil Mickelson. I'm there to see DeShambo, maybe even Aaron Rodgers or Charles Barkley or whoever they got. You know, the other more entertaining personalities. Tom Brady to me is not an entertainer. Like he, he's never been. Whether mm. it be, I mean, even on the field, like the way that he plays is very machine-like like he just he stinks well that's that's up to you he is, happens to be the goat but he just dominates the field up and down in a very methodical way and I think that's kind of going to translate to the booth so to me to come up with 20 seconds of you know creative um elaborative analysis for 80 plays across three hours like that's going to be very difficult for him to do off the top of his head but I think that what they're paying for or the Brady stands. Like, they're paying for people to tune in to watch Tom Brady, and whether he's Jason Witten or Tony Romo, someone's going to stick around because Tom Brady's doing color for Fox. No, you're probably right. I just – the reason why I asked whether he's good in that venue is because when I listen to his post-game comments or anytime he's in sort of that that arena, I mean, he's never told me something I didn't know. I don't. He's not Charles Barkley. I don't like, oh, wow. Tom Brady's going to talk now. He's just like we gave 110%. He says all the right things. He's politically correct. He gets in, he gets out. I never looked at that guy and said, wow, I need to get on a broadcast. He's definitely not Draymond Green. That's for sure. It'll be interesting. And I think that I was listening to John Skipper. used to run ESPN once, and I think I just read this article recently. And he said it's a win for Fox. They're going to make their money. It's not even about ratings. He says just the brand alone. Having him associated with Fox, and he'll do corporate events – He'll speak at different, you know, whatever, different functions. The fact that he's part of that family and how they, you know, how they qualify or quantify making money with someone like that of a Tom Brady, they've already added this up. Like, this is just his association with our network is going to work in the long run. All right, enough of Tom Brady getting getting the bag. $375 million. you got to be kidding me. I, mean, uh, I don't know if Jordan Poole is going to get that much money, but uh... – might be upwards of a, a hundred. You might might be able to crack that in the first. Would first you second. max that guy? I, I give him a blank check. Like I like I, I look at Jordan Poole and I say, how much do you want? I know I know there's a cap or whatever they're allowed to give him for his first you know max extension or whatever. I think it's around twenty eight or twenty nine million dollars. Yeah, I'm, I'm giving him a blank check because you pay him the full twenty eight mil. You can't let that guy even think about walking with what you're trying to build. I know we've discussed. The, the big three and the Splash Brothers and Wiggins and getting them to the Western Conference Finals. But, like, that dude is your future in Jordan Poole. He's 22 years old. And whether you believe that he's – I mean, I don't think he'll be – he's not going to be Stephen Curry. But, that, unfortunately, that's probably the, the expectation of the next step for him uh, to be somewhat along those lines. I just think that 
Like, to me, the reason why the Warriors are so successful is partially because they have great players, but also because they have great players that were able to grow and create chemistry over a decade. And they're able to do that because they have talent and you want to retain them. But they're also, they get better over, they've gotten better over time with each other. And I think that's why they're still competitive. To me, the next wave, I mean, it's always been about building for now and later Mm. with the Warriors. And Jordan Poole is the next guy up. Like, he is the front of whatever the next big three is going to be for the Warriors. You don't know if it's going to be Wiseman. You don't know if it's going to be Kaminga. You don't know if it's going to be Moody. You You don't know if it's going to be a guy that's not even on the team yet. But what I do know is that Jordan Poole is that dude for them moving forward, and that's why I'm saying whatever you want, dude. We got we got we got money sitting in the vault. We got Chase Center bringing in 50, 60 million a night on whatever type of show we got coming in. Three sixty five, like, dude, write your number. We'll give it to you. Eleven million dollars a game they get in the the Warriors make with extended playoff games, getting into the Western Conference Finals. If there's a home game, that's eleven million dollars for that home game, not including merch or anything else. So. The additional revenue by an extended box season office, yeah. and or getting into the postseason is that significant to guys like that at Joe Laker? But I, I guess I would not that I would disagree, but I don't even look at the next generation and or who is going to be the next iteration, if you will, of the new core for the Golden State Warriors. I still see his role of extending the window for Steph, Draymond, and Clay. Like that's why I would pay him. We're still going to win like this year potentially. Yeah. And next year, we're still relevant and looking to win NBA titles with our three aging future Hall of Famers, and you're a part of that. Maybe ultimately, you know, it's difficult to replicate what it is that these three have done, right? I mean, that's once in a lifetime. But maybe, maybe you strike lightning again, and and Weissman becomes that guy, and Kaminga becomes that guy, and Moody becomes that guy. But I think in the here and now, I'm paying you because you are going to light you know, a fire under the arse and exactly what I need, 22-year-old young legs to complement what it is that I have. Yeah, and I think I think the Xfinity Mobile text line brings up a good point from the 510. The reason they should feel comfortable giving Poole max money is he's not close to his max potential, and he will still be, I haven't actually heard this before, this is pretty good, key card pool. Of course, that was the main storyline before the season. He oh, was the guy that was keying key, in, yeah. keying out. They I'm knew out. that he was in the building for longer than anyone like his work ethic to me says that the money won't change him now of course you never know you go from making four million to making 30 million that that is a massive jump in lifestyle and everything else but pool to me he does not only extend the window for these these title contenders or the you know the big three that are trying to win a title but i think the influence from them on him like he, he said something during the the denver series towards the end along the lines of if Steph Curry comes off the bench, how can I not come off? Like, how can I not mm. respect that? And so when you're in an organization where you have guys that lead by example, to me, he's the next one you pass the baton to. He's the one that can continue this Warriors culture that Joe Lacob from the top and all the way down has been trying to build for the past decade. He is the guy that I would feel comfortable passing that torch to. Yeah, I think that's interesting because – He's really made a name for himself and sort of cemented the fact that you need to pay this guy for what he's done in the postseason. But what the postseason has also provided for him, he's getting an opportunity to see what this is all about and how special it is to play with these guys at this level and to be the team that has that quote-unquote pedigree and experience and learn from these guys. Because 
let's say they didn't go to the playoffs this year. Is there a chance that he says, you know what? I want to go somewhere where I can be a star. I want to go someplace where I can start. I want to be Steph Curry now. I don't want to wait for five years. And people are willing to pay me. But now maybe getting a sniff of, you know, maybe I can go someplace and be a star, but will I ever get an opportunity to win like this? And sniffing this right now could go a long way in terms of resigning that guy. It's it's a situation where, you know, obviously you want to have your cake and eat it too as a player, right? Like you want to get paid, you want to be compensated, and you also want to win. The question for, I think, a lot of players is, what do you want more? Because many guys don't get to choose. We're very spoiled here in the Bay Area that we have three athletes that are playing, you know, for the most part, at the peak of their powers for an elongated period of time together competing for championships and getting paid the right amount of money to do so. That doesn't really happen. So I think you have a case where Poole sees just how rare it is. Hopefully, this is the goal. He sees how rare it is to be able to compete for championships and also be compensated. Not to say he's going to take a pay cut, but if you have a chance to get paid within an organization that values you, that has drafted you, that has developed you, that has created the current budding superstar that we're seeing, you almost want to reward them in the way that they want to reward you. And to me, it's a simple decision to try and keep that ball rolling with Jordan Poole and the way that he's played this year. 888-957-9570. Let's get out to the phone lines. And Big Dave standing by in San Leandro. What's up, Big Dave? Welcome to the show, my man. Hey, good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I'm not sure if you guys already covered this point. I just started listening. But first off, I agree with everything that you're saying. Um, and thank you for highlighting the fact that, you know, Chase is making a lot of money, so we should be willing to spend. So in terms of Jordan Poole, that's what I agree with. But I just want to add to it. If, if the Warriors, I mean, we're already proven that we're competing, we're making the money. If we have this championship window, we've got to keep it open. Joe Lacob needs to keep it open. You look at it and see how much the Warriors have increased in value. Obviously, that has everything to do with the Warriors being good, right? If we're not good, I don't see that value continuing to go up. So we need to keep the team good, spend the money. And I want to add that we should keep Wiggins at all costs. He's 20, what, six years old. He's young. He's been stepping it up. I just hope that we're willing to spend the big money because I know it's going to take a lot to keep everyone together, including keeping them in the next couple of years. Big Dave, that's a really good call. Because when I thought about Wiggins prior to the playoffs, not that he was expendable, but I could see them walking. I could see them going in, in different directions just simply because, and I don't know who's going to take on that max, right, if you're going to trade him. You've got to trade contracts, essentially. But I could see them saying, you know what, we love you, but we need to go in another direction just simply because of the, the money. The finances have to match up. And we need to sign you know, Jordan Poole. Right now, after what we just talked about in the first hour of the show, I can't let Wiggins walk either. The issue to me is that... Not that Wiggins wants to walk. No, no, no. I, I don't think he does. I don't think Wiggins wants to go anywhere. I think he's finally found a home that oh, no doubt. Is, is perfect for him. The issue, again, we've talked about wanting to pay Poole, and I think they should. The issue is not next season, but the year after, because that's when Poole's extension would kick in. He's still on contract through the next season, as is Wiggins, then he becomes a free agent. The issue is that Andrew Wiggins is right now making $33.5 million. That'll slightly go up next year. You're not going to be able to pay him that much money. And I mentioned how typically you have to choose between money and winning, and that hasn't really been much of a decision for a lot of Warriors players because you just 
you just re-up. You re-up Steph, you re-up Clay, you re-up Draymond. Well, the issue with re-upping on those guys and then making, I think Draymond's a little bit below 30, Clay's above 40, Steph's coming up on 50. You just don't have the money to retain Andrew Wiggins if you want to keep Poole. I mean, we, we could take all the time in the world to go down through the contracts and discuss the numbers of it. But regardless, I think the, the primary decision is between Poole and Wiggins. You're not going to be able to have both. And to me, it's a clear cut. Like, I'm going with the future. As much yeah. as Wiggins has been fantastic and could potentially help the Warriors win a title, I just don't think he would be willing to take enough of a pay cut to stay. When some team out there is going to see the value in what he's done – how he's reinvented himself in Golden State as two-way wigs, somebody is going to want to pay him the max, and he'd be a fool not to take it. Brian, what do you got? I was just going to go off your point, Evan. Why wouldn't Andrew Wiggins want to take a pay cut, or why wouldn't somebody want to go down the, I don't know, the Tim Duncan route of taking a pay cut and being able to stay in a great situation and being able to have these great players? Because we all know when Tim Duncan took that pay cut in San Antonio, you were able to keep guys like Tony Parker. You were able to keep guys like Manu Ginobili, and that's how they won five straight championships. Or not five straight, but five championships. I just don't understand why he wouldn't want to take that pay cut. Well, I can understand it. I mean, if you're a professional athlete and you can make that sort of money, it clouds your thinking. But it's not as though, I mean, he got that max from Minnesota a couple of years ago. He, you get to a point, it's almost like Otto Porter. You've made, Otto Porter was once a max player, believe it or not. You make your money in the NBA, and then it gets to a point where, okay, you know, I got enough money to support not only my kids' kids, but their kids' kids and their kids' kids, and then, you know, it, it goes on and on. Now it's about winning, right? Now I want to, I, I want to taste a championship. Uh, I want. Now it's about fit. Now it's about culture. These words you hear. Now those things really take precedence here. So I'm curious if, if to your point, Brian, that if you're going to take pay cuts, it's usually after you made your money. Jordan Poole ain't taking no pay cuts. Not nor should about, he. I'm not talking about Jordan Poole. I'm talking. No, like- no, no. I get what you're saying. I'm just saying to Andrew Wiggins. The only way that that might happen, if he gets to a point where he feels as though I've made my money, like that of an Otto Porter, who signed here for peanuts, like that of a David West, is that it's more about winning a championship, it's more about being with the Golden State Warriors as opposed to getting paid by somebody else. I I agree. I think Brian brings up an interesting point, specifically about Duncan. And I think that if Duncan was 27 years old, which is what Andrew Wiggins is right now. So at the end of next season, he'll be 28, coming on a contract year. You maximize your total earnings in your first and your second deal. This will be Wiggins' second opportunity to get a super max. Now, he can make more money as far as the max is concerned with the Warriors, but they're not going to pay him the 45 or whatever the super max is going to be. So he's, then he looks around the league and says, all right, where can I get a you know five-year 160, maybe $150 million, the Warriors aren't going to be able to pay him that. And to me, he's a fool for not trying to maximize his prime, like his window. Yes, you want to win, but in most cases, you have to make the choice. And so for Andrew Wiggins, like, again, if Tim Duncan was 28, coming off back-to-back MVPs, I believe his age 24 and 25 season, Tim Duncan would be a downright idiot to not try and get as much money as he could. And he's not taking a pay cut. Like, Tim Duncan was appropriately compensated up until probably, I'd say, his middle to late 30s. He played until, you know, he's 38, 39. 
And so he's not in a point in his career where he needs to maximize his money. Wiggins, I know it's hard to think about because he's been in the league for 9, 10 years, similar to Kevon Looney. He's still young. He's still in his prime. And as much as you would love to have a guy who's in his prime on your team, I also can't knock him for wanting to go out and explore the market, get his money, and figure out what my value is elsewhere. We know what he is to the Warriors. We know how valuable he is to Golden State. I'm sure another team is going to look at that and say, man, if we can get Wiggins as our second, third option, we we might find ourselves in the playoffs more times than not. I think you might be right. I think that this is, you know, when it comes when it comes to making money and what in the text line said, do you want to take a pay cut? I mean, I don't. Know, he's right. Personally, I mean, about about 50% pay cut or in order cuz like like that's that's the difference. It's not like Wiggins would need to um, you know, take, I don't know, $2 million less a year. Like he would have to slash whatever he's currently making or could get probably in half. Like that is, I think even as a, as a critic of, you know, of players, of athletes, like that's unreasonable. I am all about you going to get your bread. And so that's why it's going to be a tough decision. And it comes down to the front office in order to figure out who's more valuable. Speaking of tough decisions, that's Bob Myers who wears that suit and tie and has to pull that trigger. Speaking of which, let's get out to San Francisco. Mark is standing by and wants to talk about Mr. Myers and the Golden State Warriors. What's up, Mark? Welcome aboard. Hey, guys. Really excited about this season. And Bob Myers deserves a lot of credit for putting this roster together. There was a lot of people that wanted to trade our lottery picks for guys like Beal who didn't play or Simmons. And, and he just you know went along with youth. And I think he's done a great job. Probably the best job since Dick Vertlib in 74-75. Sure, Ev remembers him. Dick Vertlib, Ev. Yeah, it was a twinkle in the eye at that point, <laughs> I believe. About negative 20. But that, he, you know what? He's right. Bob Myers knocked it out. I mean, because as much as we talk about Wiggins, you don't want to lose him. But guess what? You get guys you can slide in now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You talk about Jonathan Kaminga, and Jonathan Kaminga is still on his rookie deal. And you got James Weissman. You don't want to lose. You don't want to lose Wiggins. But now suddenly that cupboard isn't bare. Why? Because well, you got into the lottery the last two years, and you also didn't miss when you got into that lottery. Well, James Weissman. We'll see. Jury's still kind of out. Although I'm a James Weissman guy. I'm also an Ev Giddings guy. Bry wants me to go to the break. I will do that. We continue here on 95.7 The Game. More on the Warriors getting you ready for the Western Conference Finals here on 95.7 The Game. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 